before us, Carrie. Well, Father God, I thank you for this morning, Lord. I just thank you, Father, for a new day. Um, Father, that the sun is shining, Lord, and Father, that you are still on your throne. Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that you are sovereign. I thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the gift of the body. I thank you that you have called us to not forsake meeting together. And then to support each other. Father, I thank you that we are able to come together freely in this nation. Father, and we pray this morning for our brothers and sisters around the world who are not. And Father, that we, we honor you this morning. And we pray, Father, that you would receive our worship this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
quickly. Even so, come, Lord Jesus, come. Do what you have to do and shake everything that can be shaken. Break everything that can be broken. Just come. Come again. You're the king we want. You're the one that we want. The spirit and the bride say, come.
Father, thank you, Lord. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you, Lord, that your word declares that you first loved us. Thank you, Father, that through your word we have an understanding, Father, that no greater love than this, that a man will lay down his life for his friends. Jesus, that's what you did. You laid your life down for us. And it's through you that we are reconciled with God. Your word says, now therefore we are at peace with God through Jesus Christ our Lord. I pray, God, as we who are collected in this room today, Father, will know that peace. God, that we would not continue to be in rebellion towards you, but Father, that we would be at peace with you. God, that we would have a desire to love you with our whole heart, with our whole mind, our soul, and our bodies. God, that we would honor you in this generation. God, that we would seek out no other lovers, but that, God, we would cling to you, the author and the finisher of our faith. For your word says, and we know it to be true, I pray, God, you are love. So Lord, I pray that you would minister to each one of us today, Holy Spirit, as your word is being spoken and taught, that our hearts would be of good soil to receive, that we wouldn't only be hearers of your word, but that God, that we would be doers. God, that we would be the light in the darkened world pointing others to Jesus, testifying, Father, of your great love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So a book that I don't know if many of you have been to, but let's see if everyone can find it. Zephaniah is where we're heading in the Old Testament. Zephaniah chapter 3 Verse 17. Last week, oh no, it's been a couple weeks since we've met. I started a, a series, if you would, on God's love. And the last time we were together, we spoke about how God's love is shown through Jesus Christ. We laid out a good foundation. I encourage you all to go back through the scriptures and encourage yourself within them to really get a good understanding of God's love and how God's love is shown to us through Jesus. Today we're going to be discussing God's love and care for us few scriptures to walk through today, and just as I did last time, I would encourage you this time, that when you receive the notes, or if you're taking notes, to go back and to really meditate on these scriptures, and not just meditate on them, but really find uh, the understanding of them and the application of them for your life. You would find the hope that is needed to endure each day, that in that you would also find the desire to share with others this great news. 
God's love. The last time I believe we met, I've ended with the understanding of how the world has perverted love. How the world is trying to redefine what love is. How we understand how the enemy as well tries to lure us away from the truth of God's love to embrace a love that doesn't even fulfill us. The things of this earth, the things of this world, tries to enslave us, to provoke desires within us, to long for them. But see, as we've heard in, in worship this morning, as we have opened up God's Word, the more that you know of God, you can't help but understand the fullness of His love for you. His, his desire for you. How He pursues after you. He's not going to give up on you. He longs for you to be with Him. And He's made every way for that to happen. Every way. Every way. Through Christ. Jesus. And I'm praying that we're not going to just continue to take it lightly. Like, do we really have a full understanding of His love? Do we really have a full understanding of what was given for us? And not just what, but who. Jesus, you all. He went to the cross. The display of love. There's nothing else in all creation that can even measure up to Him on that cross. That's why He had to come. We can't forget that. And we need to remember that daily as we're faced and we're challenged. Daily with temptations. Daily when we look at the world. Daily when we look at our own insecurities. Daily when we are trying to be fulfilled in the worldly things of life. To feel like we have a purpose. We all have sought after it. Or we're all still in a place where we're seeking to just be loved. To be accepted. It's the basic human need. And yet God understands this. And that's why he said, Jesus, nothing will complete you. Only God can. Because he created you. He has formed you. He has plans for you. And yet, he has freed us from that old nature that is in rebellion towards him who says, I don't need your love. I'll find it myself in this world. And we are choosing you all. That's a choice we make. To trade him for the templeness of life. The eternal God who created heaven and earth desires to have a relationship with you. That's how much He loves you. 
And I know sometimes, well, you think your Christian life, oh, if I become a Christian, I have to do this. And we make it all about me, myself, and I, and what I don't want to give up, and all of this. But you see how selfish that is? That even shows you in and of yourself that you don't really understand the fullness of what love is. Because love freely gives. And when you get a glimpse of that, when you know who he is and what he's done and the hope that you can find in him, nothing in this world can compare to it. You can cling to relationships. You can hold tight to relationships thinking that this person is fulfilling you, but that person is going to die. You can cling to materialism. You can cling to the the stuff of this world, but that can be robbed from you. You can cling to whatever your heart desires, but everything in the temporalness of this life is fading away. And I was thinking, or I have been thinking, of just the, the, the times in which we're living. And then I think about the Word of God and everything within this Word, everything within this Word, this book, is taking place. No matter how much we want to fight against God, no matter how much we want to say He's not God, I'll worship something else, I'll do something else, no matter how much we rage against Him, He's still God and everything He's purposed will come to pass. Your unbelief doesn't stop Him from being God. That just goes to show you the rebellion that's within you that you are forcefully choosing to say, you're not God and I don't need you, my God, everything that has been pinned, and I told you this before, no man could have put this book together. No committee of men sitting around a table could have put these books together. The Holy Spirit inspired those who wrote these books or these letters as well. The Holy Spirit God himself has put it together how it should be placed to reveal to mankind who he is. And we spoke about it before. Governments, kings have tried to snuff out this book, have tried to keep it out of our hands, has tried to stop the message of Christ going forth. That's, that's crazy. And it's a message of love. Do you realize how many people are angry over this? Do you know how many people are angry over Jesus? And it's love. It's the greatest story of all. And people are angry. They are raging, mad over truth. And everything that is truth in our generations has been turned upside down. And now when you speak truth, now when you speak love, you're looked upon as being one who is nothing but speaking hate. Do you see how the enemy, how the world, and how even selfish desires of man is raging and waging war against truth? Oh, we need to have our eyes open to all. 
And if you're calling yourself a Christian, you need to realize there's work to be done. You have to live a life that honors God, you all. You have to live a life that loves. A life that gives up themselves and says, I'm not living for me anymore. I'm living for the one who saved me. I'm living for the one who's created me. And let's be honest. That choice is not an easy choice to make. And Jesus himself understood that. That's why he was very clear with his disciples and those that would follow him. He knew, listen, this walk, this life in which I'm calling you to is so contrary, so opposite of this world. So don't focus your eyes on the temporalness of life. Focus them on me. I will lead you. I will guide you. Follow me. Follow me. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross. Follow me. You see, God loves us and cares for us. And if you look at Zephaniah, chapter 4, chapter 3, I'm sorry, verse 17, look at this scripture. For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With His love, He will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. Listen to that. And I want to encourage you, when you hear these scriptures this today, take them and meditate upon them. What is that saying to you? What hope can you find in this scripture? This is truth. This is eternal truth laid before us, exposed to us. God says here, for the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior He will take delight in you with gladness. With His love, He will calm all of your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. God Himself is among us. God Himself takes delight in you. God Himself will calm your fears. God Himself is your mighty Savior. How is that ministering to you? When everything in this world is trying to drown this out, when everything in in this world is trying to captivate your mind and your heart to keep you from this truth, you must learn to stand, you all. You must learn not to continue to give in to the temporalness of life. But you must understand the eternal truths in which God is laying bare before you. And we've talked about it before. God's word says it's best that you've never known then to know and done nothing with it. Do you realize how much God loves you? He is laying this out before us. He is 
I mean, there's there's no confusion in what's being read here. <laughs> He's making it easy, giving you an understanding of His great love for you and how He cares for you. So you wouldn't want to continue to resist Him. You wouldn't want to continue to go your way. No, you want to press into Him. You want to seek Him. And it's not about being perfect. It's not about, well, I've got to clean myself up to come to God. No, God knows your mess. God knows your rebellion. God knows what's going on in you. God knows where your heart is at. And yet He's saying, I love you. But you must. Love me. The greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your body, and with all of your strength. They just can't be words. It has to be action. That's why you lay it down like, no, I'm not going this way because it doesn't honor God. No, I'm not giving myself to this because it doesn't honor God. No, I'm not going to continue to think this way because it doesn't honor God. No, I'm not going to continue to live this way because it doesn't honor God. And I may not know the right way to go, but I know that he will show me if I would just submit to him. And how are we doing with that? But are we so quick to go our way? We ought not to be. Just listen to the word of the Lord. For the Lord your God is living among you. He is mighty. He's a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With His love, He will calm all of your fears. And He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. Go to 1 John chapter 4. Verse 7 through 8. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 through 8. Listen, your Christian life, your identity in Christ is going to be challenged for now until you take your last breath. You must learn to fight back. You must learn to stand against the forces that are contending with you. You must learn to walk habitually in the Spirit so that you do not gratify the desires of your flesh. You must seek Him. The Word of God says if you seek Him, you will find Him if you seek Him with your whole heart. It's just not a Sunday thing, a Wednesday thing, a Friday thing, or any other time. They know it has to be in every day, every moment of every hour of every second. It is just becoming who you are. You are in relationship with the eternal God. And your life should be reflecting that. Others should see your life and they should have an understanding of whom you belong to. It's easy to look out on the world to those who are lost and know what they belong to. You can look at people and you can see what they're giving their lives to. You can see what they're giving their lives to and you can see the fruit that it's being produced out of their lives from giving themselves to it. 
And so it is with Christians. You are giving yourself to Christ. You are giving yourself to the eternal God. You have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You have the Holy Spirit who dwells within you. Your life now should be lived unto righteousness. Your life now should be lived in purity and in holiness. Your life should be bearing fruit that's evident for all to see that you belong to the eternal God. You're not going the ways of the world any longer. It's not fun and jokes. It's truth, it's reality, it's eternity that we're talking about. And there's so much out there that wants to plague your heart and your mind and distract you from the reality of who God is and His love for you and how He cares for you. But you must stand firm. You must push back. You must take ground. You must realize each and every day that you're getting up and you're testifying first and foremost who He is. And then allowing that to define you so that you can live in that knowledge and in that understanding. Because that's then who you become in Him. And again, not of your own strength, but depending on the Holy Spirit. And I keep challenging us, and I keep asking, how are you doing with your relationship with the Holy Spirit? How is He leading and guiding your life? Because remember, the Word of God says that you're not to be grieving Him. You're to be following Him. Seeking Him. He is your counselor. He is your teacher. He is your guide. He empowers you. To live this life. That's why you have to have that understanding that you've been born again. Of a new nature. Of a new nature. A nature that is being conformed into the image of God. A nature that is honoring God. Not a nature that is still acting out of the old nature, which is the rebellion nature, towards God. But a new nature. Have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And and I mean really accepted Him. Do you understand freedom that comes from Christ? It it can't just be a form that you're holding. It, It can't just be like, oh, it's just the knowledge I possess. No, true transformation comes when one has truly accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It's not just a one-shot prayer. No, it's an everyday life. Like, I recognize my need for Him. Such great love that I'm not seeking the, the temporal things of this life. It doesn't mean you're perfect. But what it means is that you're seeking and that you're growing and that you're maturing. You're, you're willing to honor Him with your life. And yet again, this message, this this understanding of truth is being fought against. And yet a lot of times it's being fought against with inside ourselves. I don't give my life to Jesus. Or maybe I can just say I'm a Christian, but I don't have to live for him because that's extreme. That's not for this day, that was for that day. And yet God doesn't change. The same thing he asked back here to the Israelites, it's the same thing he's asking here. Go seek it out. What's the greatest commandment? As it was then, so it is now. 
Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your body, with all of your strength. Be his holy people. Be set apart. Do not look like the world. Do not look, do not act, do not taste, do not seek the things that the world seeks. Because this world is not your home. For I have called you out, the Lord says. You are mine. You belong to me. How beautiful. The war that's not easily won is the war that's within. There's a lot of people who hold a nice form of religion. Oh, I love God, I love Jesus, and yet their lives don't even honor Him. That's not loving Him. Oh, but I prayed a prayer, so you didn't mean it. It didn't mean anything to you. Because your life has not changed. Your life has not been given to the very one in whom you say you belong to. So you've got to wake up. We've got to see that, that our hands are dirty, that our hearts are soiled. And we got to say, God, forgive us. And he's quick to forgive. Like he's quick to come. He's quick because he loves us and he cares for us. He's quick to, to heal you. He's quick to deliver you. He's quick to provide. He's quick to show himself to you. But you've got to stop resisting him. Like we're talking about God, you all. God. And we all have that fight within us. The Bible says that the flesh and the spirit, they war against each other. But greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. God will give us the victory. And even when it comes to temptation, God, the word of God says that even when you're tempted, he'll make a way out if you would just seek him. Stop going your way. Repent, turn to God, see where you're at today, and it's just that quick to say, God, forgive me. And quickly he comes. Quickly you are restored. It doesn't matter what anyone else says about you. It doesn't matter what the enemy is screaming. It doesn't matter what the desires that are within you. Quickly he comes, and you are identified as his. And he fights for you. God Almighty. Creator of heaven and earth. And that's why it can't, he can't be mocked in the church. He can't just be made as if he's nothing. He's so common. Then people look at our God and go, what use is your God? Because he's not powerful. Do you remember if you read the Old Testament? The people weren't afraid of the Israelites. They were afraid of the God in whom the Israelites served. In the New Testament, people were amazed by what the disciples were doing and even how the church was growing, even under intense persecution. But they weren't looking towards the men and the women. They were looking to the God in whom the men and women were serving. How do people see God through you? He cannot be made weak. He cannot be made a mockery of. You can't just trample his blood underneath your feet and as if it's nothing. Because do you realize you will be held accountable for that? No, for those who love God, live for God. They're not perfect. They will stumble and they will fall, but they will get back up. And others will see. 
and not let them say whatever they want about your past. Because that is no longer who you are. And the only way that is lived out is not you trying to make them believe that you're different. No, that you just live differently because you're loving God. And that they would see a difference. That they would come to know God. That they would see His power through your transformed life. You were once this way, but you're no longer this way. See, see, you can't keep calling yourself a Christian and and, and you, you were once this way and you're still that way. That's not what happens when one gives their life to the living God. It's a new way of living, you all. It's an excitement to understand that God has purposed works for you to do even before you were born. For your generation, for this time, for this day and this age, ask yourself a question. What wages war more on your soul and your identity? You all know what you wrestle with and where you're trying to find contentment and wholeness. You see, God wants to raise you up in this generation to show others who are going through that same battle that there's a way out of it. But how can others see if you're still getting into it? God wants to raise up men and women, boys and girls, people throughout the earth that will testify of a living God and live for Him and live for Him not because you're forced to not because there's a list of rules and laws and do's and don'ts no, that's, that's y'all not getting it that's the greatest witness of love is that you willingly say no, I give it up people say, oh you go to church or you're a Christian so oh you have to follow all these rules you say, oh no, no I don't follow rules I follow Jesus, and I willingly lay down my life for Him. No one's forcing me. I don't have to follow all the laws and the rules and the do's and the don'ts. No, I willingly lay it down. I willingly will not go that way. You all have every right to go and enjoy and do whatever you want, but I can't. Because it will dishonor my God. Mock me, laugh at me, say what you want about me. I'm secured in Christ. I know who I am and I'll keep my head up and I'll go about my day. And trust me, those who are mocking and laughing or or saying whatever they want about you, at some point, some way, somehow, they're going to see that you're different, that you're secure, that you're moving forward. And everything that they're longing for out here, everything that they're giving themselves to out here, they're finding themselves empty. And you know who they come to? When life is pressing up against them? Can God do for me what he's done for you? Because I'm hurting. And that's when you have an opportunity to share the good news. See, if we're not living differently from them, how are they going to know that there's a God? How would they ever see love? Like, what do you you mean you willingly lay it down? Oh, because that's his call. Like, I'm not forced. He willingly gave his life for me, so I willingly give my life for him. 
no matter the cost, no matter how bad it hurts, no matter what relationships I have to lose, no matter what financially, materially, anything I have to lose, no matter the hard times that are before me, I will not give up on him because he would not give up on me. And we just finished the book of Mark. Remember, that letter was written to the church under intense persecution. For goodness sakes, Christians were being hung on crosses and burnt up at night to light the city. Christians were being rushed into arenas to be devoured by hungry animals, and the crowds in the stadiums were cheering it on. What would possess a man, a woman, a boy, and a girl to endure that? Because if they would just deny Jesus, they could live. And they say, no, I can't deny him. Such great faith. And yet, what happens with us? When things are presented to us, we're so quick to deny him. We're so quick. And just like Peter, though, three times he denied. And when he recognized his, the, the denying of Christ, he was grieved. And just like Peter, if you keep denying him, I pray that you, you as like Peter, will be restored to Christ. And do you remember what Christ said to Peter? Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. No, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Then go, feed my sheep. Do you have to let this be real, you all? This has to be real. This this just can't be just... uh, a weird religion. It has to be real. It's who you are. It's what you believe. And in that belief, it's who you're becoming. I am born again of the Spirit. I'm not living any longer identifying with the things of this world or the flesh. I'm giving myself to Christ and I'm giving myself freely to Him. The world will not define Him for me. The world will not define his ways for me. No, he will define himself. He will define his way because he's given me the Holy Spirit in whom I depend upon. And yet if we're not, then you're not a Christian. You're just a religious person bound for hell with the knowledge of God, but no God at all. See, we've got to wake up. That's why I'm so passionate right now to talk about his love. Because you got a world out there, you got people who are seeking to be loved, seeking for someone to just care for me. And that will never work. God is love. God cares for you. God loves you. God has a plan for your life. God knows what is needed for your life in this very second, in this very hour. And even if you say, but my life sucks to get your eyes off your life and get them on Christ. Because those Christians who were burning, those Christians who were standing in the arena in that moment, their lives sucked. But in a blink of an eye, they were in His presence. See, when we only see that our lives suck, and nothing's going good for me, there must not be a God. Wow, wait, don't go there. See, the moment that you get to that place, you better realize that you've just focused everything on the temporalness of lies, as if this is it. Because if all this is it, then yeah, it does suck. 
Oh, but you are meant for something so much greater than the temporalness of your life. Because you must remember, Jesus himself said, in this world, you will have trouble. But be of good cheer. I've already overcame the world. That's the hope you have. That's the hope that no matter what's pressing up against you, no matter what's trying to tell you there is no God and your life sucks and you're worth nothing, then you realize, no, 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 wait a minute. I'm not listening to that voice because that voice is not true. Let me tell you what truth is. And this is how you have to start talking. This is how you have to start putting your belief into action. This is how it has to become everything about who you are in Christ in order to stand in the midst of a life that sucks. God, you were for me and not against me. God, I will take another step. God, I will keep pressing on. God, I will honor you when no one else is honoring you. I will put my trust and my hope in you because I know that you love me and that you care for me. And I know that this world is not my home, so I'm not trying to make possessions in this world. No, I'm keeping my eyes on the thing that's eternal. And if I keep my eyes there, I will not give up on you. 1 John 4, 7 through 8. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. Love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God. For God is love. Go to 1 Peter. In chapter 5, <clears throat> verse 6 through 11. So God is love. And if you're in Christ, you're learning how to love freely. See, as Christians, we're to love. And our love is not based on what we're getting from others. Trust me, I've gone through seasons of my Christian life where loving people has hurt me. (laughs) Because they've hurt me, they've said bad things about me, they've made fun of me, whatever. Everyone has a comment. But if my love for Christ and my love for others is based off what others are doing to me, or what I'm expecting of others, then I'm truly not loving and I truly don't know God. who you know if you love God. That's what I love about the Bible. It makes it very clear. You're not ignorant. You know exactly how you're living. You know if you love Him or not. You can try to live in a weird reality, but reality is, truth is, will slap you in your face and know, wait a minute. If I'm not loving, then that means I'm not loving God. And if I'm not loving God, then I'm not in Christ. I'm apart from Christ and I'm rebellious. Or we can believe, like most people sitting in churches, no, that's just who I am. God is okay with this. Well, I'm just struggling in this area. It's just mastering me. Where do you find that in Scripture? No. You're loving. And let's just say, if you're having a problem with loving, let God work on your heart then. He knows what you're going through. You you can't hide anything from Him. Let Him be honest. God, I want to love like you love. 
Teach me how to love others. Teach me to love them and not expect something in return. Teach me to love them even if they don't like me. Let me still love them. Because God, that's how you love. Teach me, God, to let go of them. Because I know right now, it's best that we not be together. Because they are refusing you. They are in rebellion towards you. So give me the love for them to turn them over in hopes that they would truly understand how to be loved. Just because you're clinging to relationships and hopes, sometimes you just got to let things go and let people go. They need to go and experience. It doesn't mean you don't love them. But let them go experience what they must experience in hopes that they come to the one who loves. Sometimes we got to stop loving them so God can. You got to get out of God's way because you're holding them back. You're, you're becoming codependent with them. It's unhealthy. Nothing good is coming out of it. We must really understand this concept of love and how God loves for us and how, how God cares for us. And if we truly belong to him, then let love come forth. Let love come forth. And don't have your love with God measured on what God does for you. Well, God, you're not doing this, so, you know, today I don't love you. I'm going to go do me. Well, I don't see you moving, God. You're not moving fast enough for me. So, you know what? My heart is hardening, and I'd rather not be in your presence. What? That's rebellion talking. That's not love. Love is no matter what, God. I know you're here for me. And I'll abide in you because that's what your word says. Walk me through whatever I need to walk through. Because I know if I'm walking through these trials, they are meant to produce something within me. So have your way. Teach me. Discipline me. Because you remember what the word says? He disciplines those that he loves. Come on, you all. This is God we're talking about. First Peter 5, 6-11. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time He will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God. Look at this. For He cares for you. Today, it's what we're talking about. God loves you, and God cares for you. There it is again in Scripture. So with this understanding, what are you to do? Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him, and be strong in your faith. Remember that your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering you are. In his kindness, God called you to share, look at this, in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore support, oh my goodness, and strengthen you. And he will place you on a firm foundation. All power to him forever. Amen. That portion of scripture alone. 
walk away with it today and put it into practice. <coughs> put it into practice. Humble yourselves. I mean, make your list. Take a pen and a paper out. Make notes. With this understanding of God's love and how He cares for you, humble yourself under His mighty power at the right time. Not your time, but at the right time. But when's the right time? His time. But I need it now. You don't understand what's pressing up against me. He does. I don't have to, but I can tell you this, in the right time. In the right time. And I don't understand Christians, or people who said they were Christians, tell other Christians, don't tell me to pray, I've prayed enough. Don't tell me to read the Bible, I've read it enough, I need God to move now. All of a sudden they don't want Christian counseling. All of, them, all of a sudden, they don't wisdom from the Word of God. They want you to give them a temporal fix, and that's not how God works. So please stop giving other people temporal fixes. Please stop giving others kingdom principles without sharing the king with them, leading them to the king. Please stop trying to fix people, because you can't fix it. You can't make things right for anyone. It's a heart issue. Only God can do that. So if people want to be hardened, let them be hardened. Don't be angry with them. Pray for them. Love them. Even if they hurt you. Don't strike back. Why do you think Jesus says, if they hit you, turn the other cheek. Let them have that. It's a way of love, you all. Could you imagine if this love would be displayed? Do you realize what we're talking about here? Do you realize the thousands of people who are gathering in our nation and have gathered throughout the world under the banner of Christ, coming in, hearing a message, and then going out? Could you imagine if Christians really loved? It wouldn't make the world perfect. Because the world is dying. But it would make a difference in people's lives. People who are hurting, broken. People who need to know God. Our aim is not to fix this world. Our aim is to be about our Father's business and harvesting those that are destined for eternity with God. So our aim is not to fix brokenness. Our aim is to declare the glory of God and the love of God in hopes that people would come to God. Because we realize already, because Jesus himself said, not everyone is getting on the road. Only a few. Others will seek for themselves. But look what it says here. Give your worries and cares to God. And then what do you do? Stay alert. Stand firm. These just can't be words. It has to be our truth. Even if you even if you give up ground, get it back. Amen. Even if you reacted, uh, repent, get it back, and move on. I'm sorry for worrying. 
I'm sorry for not standing firm. God, forgive me. Teach me, Holy Spirit. I want to stand. What is it to remain alert? I recognize that I have an enemy seeking to devour me. That may be mindful of him. That may not be scared of him. Hmm. Because he's already defeated. Amen. He can only roar. But I will not be afraid of him. We've got to strengthen ourselves. We've got to strengthen our faith so we can strengthen each other. Go to Isaiah 64, verse 8. Isaiah 64, verse 8. We are the works of His hands. It will be good for us to meditate and memorize this verse. Isaiah 64, verse 8 declares, And yet, O Lord, You are our Father. We are the clay, and You are the potter. We are formed by your hand. God has formed you. God has purposed you. No matter what family dynamics you have been born into, no matter who your parents are, they didn't create you. They were just vessels God used to bring you forth for what He has purposed. So don't let your troubled life or your troubled home life define you. Mm-hmm. Who formed you? God. Who has purposed you? God. And it would do good for us to remember that. And I realize, and we talked about it before, we all have a sad story. And I don't make light of the sad story in which you have. I have my own. But my sad story cannot continue to define me. Because a good story has been told to me. And it's the good news of the one who formed me. And not only formed me, knew my condition of rebellion. Knew I didn't love him. And yet he still loved me. And he said, because of my love for you, Rob, I will send my son for you. So that you would know how greatly I love you. And in return, with that understanding, you would then begin to love me. And he says that for each of you. For each of you. He knows your life. He knows your story. And I know you may want to shake your fist. You may want to say, well then where is he? And why would he allow this to happen? Oh, but I would encourage you, you don't need to question God. Recognize that sinful, broken people hurt people. Recognize you have an enemy. 
that seeks to kill, to steal, and to destroy your life. Jesus says, but I've come to give you life. I remember a young man who sat up in this living room who was molested time after time after time after time again by pastors, by men in the church, in a place where he should have felt safe. And when he told his parents, his parents cared more about the image of the church than they did their son. And with tears in his eyes and such anger in his heart, he said, where was God? And sometimes you just look at broken people and you just have to share the truth. God, as he was there when you were born, as he was throughout all this time when all this junk was going, as he is now in this room with us. Revealing his love for you. His hope that you would turn to him and love him. His hopes that you would forgive those who have hurt you. And put your trust in Him. You see, it's a choice, you all. No matter what your sad story is, it's a choice to be able to say, God, I forgive. I forgive my mom. I forgive my dad. I forgive those who have hurt me. I forgive those who have violated me. I forgive. Well, how can I? Because you see His example. He forgave you. And he freely forgave. He didn't wait for you to change. No, he freely forgives. And that's how you are to respond in love. Freely forgiven. He is the potter. You are the clay. He has formed you. And you've got to trust in that, you all. That's the good story. Let that be what you identify with, not your sad story. Your sad story will lead you to destruction. Trust me. What have you been seeking after and you're still empty? You've been running from God. You've been doing your own way. And there's things in your life you know you should have already gotten rid of, but you haven't. I'll get to that God. And God is saying, no, 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 no. I've already got to that, so let it go. Mm -hmm. See, there's things that you're holding on to that God is saying, no, that's not who you are. And you keep fighting with God. You've got to stop fighting. You've got to stop resisting God. He has formed you. You've got to make decisions. And it can't be ten years from now. It can't be five years from now. It can't be one year from now or even a day from now. No, it's today. Today's the day to say, you know what, God? Okay, I'll let it go. And even those questions that are within you, but what this, what about this, what about that? You need to let that go too. And you just need to trust. Okay, God.
You formed me. And if you formed me, you know me. And you know all the junk within me, and yet you still love me? No one else is going to love you that way. Go to Psalm. Or Psalm 86. And then I've got one more after this, and I'm closing. I know a lot of times we feel that God is just angry with us. <laughs> or maybe we've gone too far, or maybe we're not willing to do whatever. And so God is angry, so if God is angry, then I'll be angry and I won't come to God. We do understand that God's wrath is purposed. We understand that His wrath is going to hit this earth. You can just read this and then turn on the news and see each day the events that are taking place around the world. You see how quick time is speeding up. The Bible even talks about that knowledge. How days are going like this. And the reason why they're becoming shortened is so that we can endure. Because if they were any longer, the pressure would just be too much. The days are speeding up. Time is going like this. Events are taking place. All of a sudden, everything around the world is made known to us. World events are taking place. Darkness and perversion and craziness is it's abounding. It's growing more and more and more and more intense. But yet it says it has to. The love of many is going to grow colder. People are going to feel, be filled with so much hate and selfishness. And it's going to get worse. And yet you and I are purposed for this generation. That's why I encouraged you earlier. What is it that you're fighting with? Because you need to gain the victory over it in Christ. So that you can be out there on the harvest fields. Allowing others to know that there's a way out. Of the wrath that is about to hit this place. Oh, but you can go along drinking and dancing and shucking and jiving with them. Oh, but be careful. You'll have his blood underneath your feet. And you'll have your hands on their necks. Choking the life out of them. And yet you were called to give life. I told you the Christians that irritated me the most when I was lost were the ones that didn't have a problem having sex with me, drinking with me, acting a fool with me, and then want to tell me, oh, you should come to church. Church? They were holding me down. They didn't love me, and they didn't love their God. They didn't know me. But the ones I respected were the ones that held truth up to me. They didn't go along with my little games and my charades. They kept who they were, who they were. They kept Christ the center of their life. See, careful, you all. Careful <clears throat> who you're tripping up. Careful what others are seeing in your life because the Word of God says... It's best that you tie a millstone around your neck 
and drown yourself than to face God because you hindered others coming to Him because of your life. That's serious. So keep calling yourself a Christian. Keep posting all your favorite posts about Jesus and keep doing the things that they're doing. God have mercy. No, you've got to waken up. No, no, there's a way in which you ought to be living. We understand God's wrath. We understand it's coming. But just as we understand His wrath, we understand His love. He loves us. He, saved, he has saved us from Himself by giving Himself. Wow. So that love will be displayed throughout all creation. See, what it all boils back down to is love. Love being displayed throughout all creation. From the beginning, love was purposed to be displayed. That's what we're talking about. Love. And God Himself is making a way for us through Jesus to receive such great love and not only to receive it, but then to freely give it. First to Him and then to others. And I want to share this next verse with you because I want you to find comfort and strength in it. That He is slow to anger. You haven't gone too far. You haven't done too much that He's turned away from you. No, no, no. God loves you and God cares for you. Listen to what this verse says. Psalm 86, verse 15. But you, O Lord, are a God of compassion and mercy, slow to get angry, look at this, and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. But you, O Lord, are a God of compassion and mercy, slow to get angry, so filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. He's faithful to His Word, you all. If He said it, He'll complete it. But with this understanding, doesn't give you the right to keep going about whatever you want. Well, He's so angry, so I'll get, I'll, I'll get by with this. Well, remember Romans 6 says, What then shall you say? Shall you continue to sin so that grace... May abound? Certainly not. Don't you know that if you've died with Him, you've been raised up with Him into a new life? Remember, if you are a Christian, you are born again. You are of the Spirit now. You must live in the Spirit. And you've heard me say it over and over. It saddens me that the occult knows more of the Spirit world than, the, than Christians do. When Christians know the very one who created the worlds, the levels. There's no one greater, no force, no nothing that's greater than the throne of God. He has created everything, good and evil. Nothing gets by him or over him. And everything works according to His purpose and His plan to reveal such great love. And He is slow to anger. 
is faithful. He is compassionate. So I would advise us to stop running. I would advise us to realize, wait a minute. God, I've gone so far away from you. I keep doing things my way. God, I'm sorry. I don't want to take for granted your love. I don't want to take for granted that you're slow to anger and that you're filled with compassion and that you're faithful. Oh God, in this moment, in this hour, in this second, God, I give myself to you. I freely receive your gift salvation and I know that you begun it in me and you are faithful to complete complete it in me so let me honor you all the days of my life See, that has to be your heart's desire let's close by going back to 1 John chapter 2 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. It is my hope, again, that you'll get these notes, that you'll go back to these scriptures, that you'll pray through these scriptures, that you'll meditate upon these scriptures, and that you'll allow the Holy Spirit to bring forth what needs to be brought forth from your life, from the truth that comes from these scriptures. This understanding that God loves you and God cares for you. And how are you responding to that understanding? This is how you should respond. Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. Verse 15 says, For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. I don't know how we can get around that. Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. Remember in Galatians when we talked about it, that as a Christian, as one who is being born again, you have considered that you have nailed those passions to the cross and that the desires that you have for the world you're dead to and the, the world's desires for you are no longer. There's nothing in this world that this world can offer you that you should be longing for. Because you're complete in Christ. says in verse 16, for the world, look at this, offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from the world. You see, again, God is making it very clear and plain to us. He's laying it bare before us. This is truth. This is how my spirit in you will prompt you to live if you are following him. Do not love the things of this world because the things of this world are not for me. They are only temporalness. Temporal things that provoke these desires. 
physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, pride in our achievement and possessions. These things are the things that will destroy you. These things are the things that will try to provoke within you those worldly desires, those, that temporal desire, that flesh nature. And we've all been around here long enough that we know the flesh only knows to do what? Yeah. God, we need to wake up. See, we all can say it. All of us sitting here, we have that knowledge. It's within you. It has been taught, it has been preached, it has been revealed to you in the Word of God. The flesh only knows how to die, and yet we keep giving ourselves to the flesh. And we ought not to. That's not how we're called to live. If we continue to live that way, you do not have the love of the Father in you. No, your love for Him. compels you to walk with Him. To be with Him. To know Him. And this world is fading away. Along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Temporal things, they're fading away. The things of God are forever. You need to ask yourself, as you're putting your hands to the stuff, as you're giving thought to the stuff, is this temporal? Is this of the flesh? Because it's fading away, and why am I trying to find myself in it? Is this the things of God? Is this, is, is this a, of eternal? Does it have an eternal value? Does it honor God? And that's what I want to give myself to. He goes on in verse 18. Dear children, the last hour is here. You have heard that the Antichrist is coming, and already many such Antichrists have appeared. From this we know that the last hour has come. These people left our churches, but they never really belonged to us or with us. Otherwise, they would have stayed with us. When they left, it proved that they did not belong with us. But you are not like that, for the Holy One has given you His Spirit, and all of you know the truth. So I'm writing to you not because you don't know the truth, but because you know the difference between truth and lies. And who is a liar? Anyone who says that Jesus is not the Christ. Anyone who denies the Father and the Son is an antichrist. Anyone who denies the Son doesn't have the Father either. But anyone who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. The church, since the day it was birthed, has been warned of those who would come and be among her who would, destroy, who would try to destroy the truth. People who will hold a form of religion and yet deny God's power. And you cannot know God if you have not accepted Jesus. No matter what the world is trying to preach to you, no matter what other Christians, so-called Christians, are trying to tell you, you must understand the truth and know the difference between truth and lies. That's what you're growing into. That's what you're maturing up in. 
So you must remain faithful to what you have been taught from the beginning. If you do, you will remain in fellowship with the Son and with the Father. And in this fellowship, we enjoy the eternal life He has promised. You must remain faithful. He says, I'm writing these things to warn you about those who want to lead you astray. But you have received the Holy Spirit and He lives within you. So you don't need anyone to teach you what is true. For the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know. And what He teaches is true. It's not a lie. So just as He taught you, remain in fellowship with Christ. And now, dear children, remain in fellowship with Christ. So that when He returns, you will be full of courage and not shrink back from Him in shame. Oh, that glorious day when He returns. Let us be those who, as it says here, will be full of courage. And we're not going to shrink back because we're soiled and we're tainted and our hands are dirty and our heart is not towards them. Since we know that Christ is righteous, we also know that all who do what is right are children of God. So, verse, chapter 3, verse 1. See how very much our Father loves us, for He calls us His children. And that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know Him. This is the eternal truth of God's Word. If you've accepted Christ, as Lord and Savior, then you have been adopted into the family of God. And in that, you have been given a new nature. You have been born again of the Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit of God with inside you. That's why the Bible says you are without excuse. He is giving you everything you need to live a godly life. You have to choose not to use it, what you've been given. It's your choice not to allow the Holy Spirit to mature you, to grow you. He's not going to force you, because what is love? Love is expressed by one laying their life down. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Teach me, Holy Spirit. Guide me through this day, Holy Spirit. Forgive me. how we're to live, you all. There's work to be done, and I want to encourage us to go forth from this place, you all, and do good works in which God has prepared for you to do. There's a dying world around you, in your schools, in your homes, on the streets, and you're to represent Christ. You're to represent such great love and such great power. Because let us remember, he's still not hanging on the cross. Mm-hmm. Great love has been displayed, but know this, great power has been revealed through his resurrection. Yeah. He has defeated sin and death. Those things that you're giving yourself to so easily, they're defeated things. They wield and yield no power over you unless you submit to something that is powerless 
And why would you want to submit to something that is powerless when all it can offer you is death? So we need to wake up and submit ourselves to God. I'm going to close with this song and then I'll close this in prayer.
You're the one we want. 